Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 50 of a linkage podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the month of January 2023. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing uh, for Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, Director of Communications for ERS and our Executive Producer. How are you, Kristen? Oh, it's uh, great to be here in January in the new year. Uh, doesn't feel lo- much like January outside. I think it's about 60 degrees, but <laughs> other than that, I, I, I will take it, you know, anytime we can have nice weather like that in the winter. Uh-huh. So glad to be here. Glad to be in the new year and uh, looking forward to our podcast once again. Yes. And I think of special note, this is, as I said at the top, episode 50, Kristen, can you believe nice. we've been doing this for almost three years now and, and gotten to 50 episodes? It's really, it's a highlight of uh, my, my month. And uh, I mm-hmm. love getting together with you and also um, all of our guests and and talking about um, the the joys and and the challenges of aging, and uh, it's it's really been fun. I I love it. Yeah, it's been a a labor of love for for myself. Um, I know we started this just as the pandemic began as a way of really connecting with our residents during a time we couldn't be together in person and and hear from them and and their experience and and maybe things that help them get through challenging times in the past so we can learn from them. And then of course, just getting the updates from Laura, I think on a regular basis, again, in a time that that we were maybe a little more disconnected. So we were finding uh, int- new and interesting ways of of connecting with our audience and our residents and and our families. So it, it, it's been quite a, quite a ride. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And I love that that's, you know, still, even though we can be together more now and mm-hmm. a lot easier, yep. um, I'm every time um, I'm together with a resident or, or one of our team members, I really am learning new things all the time. And I hope our, our listeners are as well. Right, right. And, it, and it's evolved a little bit over time. As, as you'll, people hear today, we've brought in some experts on different topics and, and so we can learn from them as well. But, uh, you know, I think at the core, just hearing from our residents and, and, and getting those updates from Laura has been a critical part. And uh, again, I, I've just really enjoyed uh, this format, especially as podcast has become so popular. I think people are very open to the audio format. Absolutely. Well, uh, just as a reminder, the Linkage Podcast is dedicated to educating our audience about issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with our residents, clients, families, and staff members. So, Kristen, we've got a great show coming up today, uh, uh, this month. You want to tell us who we've got uh, on the show? Absolutely. So, um, joining me for this month is... um, Director of the Center for Memory Support and Inclusion, mm-hmm. Shannon Braun. Shannon's now, I can guess we can call her a frequent guest with us. Right. Shannon uh, is um, going to kind of give us a look back at 2022 and a little peek, sneak peek ahead to 2023, what's coming up for us this year. Yep. And uh, you got to sit down with um, a partner named Molly Proust. Molly's a gerontologist who um, founded a company called VistaLink, mm-hmm. and we partnered with Molly last year 
um, on a workshop for, for care partners for those that are living with um, Alzheimer's or dementia. Mm -hmm. so that was a great program. And, um, and you even took it a little bit further sitting down with her on the podcast. It was great. Um, great segment you guys had. And then our last guest is our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, who will um, also kind of wrap up the 2022 year and, and give us a, a kind of a forecast, a vision for, for what's ahead this year. So I think it's going to be a great, great show for everyone. I hope everyone enjoys it. Absolutely. So with that being said, you want to introduce your first guest? Yes, Shannon Braun sat down with me and we got to um, kind of wrap up the year and look at um, all the new programs that she was able to offer, the training um, for those that are uh, living with dementia and their care partners. So here's Shannon. Shannon, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you back on as a guest. Thanks, Kristen. I'm always glad to be back. And you're back um, to help us wrap up the year of 2022. Um, yeah. Let's jump right in. Why don't you tell listeners a little bit about some of the exciting things that have happened in 2022 for the Center for Memory Support and Inclusion? Sure. So one of the things that I think has been really great, um, it's so important to, and one of my goals is to connect people that are struggling with caregiving and um, also struggling with having memory loss out in the community is to really make community and connect to each other and connect to um, organizations and activities that are happening around town. So one of the things that I've been doing is a part of a group called the Giving Voice Foundation, and we offer offer a program called Creative Connections. And what that is, um, it's a weekly group, and the caregivers are in one room in a support group, and the individuals with dementia are in another room with uh, music and movement instructor. So there's a musician, and then there's usually some sort of movement, like a yoga instructor or a physical therapist, um, someone that's helping them move in a safe way. Yeah. And that's a weekly program that we offer and we do uh, see, um, seasonally. So it's 10 week uh, sessions every wow. season with a couple weeks off. Yeah, that yeah. is wonderful. Now that's one of the programs I haven't gotten to see in person. But another great program that you have um, been involved with this year that also involves music and movement is Dancing to Remember, and, and that's yes. been a big success. Yes, it's been really wonderful. So that's something that we're doing with people that have dementia and their care partners together. We've partnered with a wonderful woman in Sharonville, Mary Ramirez Cook. She owns a dance studio and she's been very gracious to teach dance lessons to our folks. And it's been really wonderful. Um, the repetitive movement is so great for the brain. It combines social activity, which is so good for the brain, along with physical activity and exercise. Um, and people have really connected and gotten to know each other. And it's been a really great experience, something unique uh, for me and um, has been really fun. Well, I was lucky enough to um, be at the holiday party and it was so wonderful to see these relationships um, 
uh, a couple of folks that, you know, I think probably met through these programs and they're just dancing away and having the best time. <laughs> it was really wonderful to see that and how these programs really benefit those in the community. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I appreciate you coming and, and saying that too. I, I have found that having some sort of celebration at either the end of a series or at the end of the year really bring people together and celebrate their accomplishments and the friendships they've made. It's so neat to see and um, really take time to do that. So it's been really fun. All right. Well, I know there's some other programs too. Tell us about, is it music and movement? Music in motion. So yes, so that's a partnership with again, the Giving Voice Foundation and the Cincinnati Opera. So um, when we have these 10 week series for the um, creative connections program. We got a lot of feedback that people really loved the 10 weeks and got really used to doing something weekly. It's so beneficial and so needed that when we would take a three week break, they wanted something to do. So we found some supplemental things to do. And one of those is this music in motion program with the Cincinnati opera. So they have an opera singer or a choir director come and sing songs with our group and then also a yoga instructor to do some chair exercises in between. So it's really that um, same theme of music and moving the body and using all of those things that we know to be so beneficial for our bodies and our brains um, and creating community in the process. Yeah, that sounds great. I know um, one of my friends who I've met through this program is uh, Kathy. And when we were together, she shared how much it meant to her just to be able to sing and sing with her friends and feel very free um, to just to just do that and how much joy that brought her. So I'm really glad that there's even more opportunities for that. Absolutely. Music is is so beneficial and it's something that really brings people together and yeah, that whole idea of not having pressure and just having a good time all that's helpful for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, we've talked a lot about things happening with music and music in motion and dancing and all that. What about the visual arts? I know we've got some programs related to that. What did we get? What did we see happening with that in 2022? Yeah, so we have our our program with museums called With Art in Mind, and we've been partnering uh, for a long time with the Contemporary Arts Center and um, trying to to branch out and connect with other museums as well. So we were able in December to have our first program with the Cincinnati Art Museum, and um, in 2023, we are expanding to the Taft Museum and also so, um, yeah. And, and also at the American sign museum as well. Oh, fantastic! So, yeah. So part of that is, is educating the docents and the staff that work at these museums. So I've been able to connect with them and offer some dementia education, which has been really great. And then moving forward with having more regular programming too, which I'm really excited about expanding. Oh, that is so awesome. You know, when we started our dementia inclusive Cincinnati program, to try to um, raise the level of inclusivity for those living with dementia in the Cincinnati area. Training has been a huge part of that. And it's so good. Every time I hear that you've 
trained a new group. I, I just know we're getting closer to that goal of, you know, becoming a very, very inclusive city um, for those that um, are, are, you know, want to get out and, and not feel um, people won't understand them or accept them. So it's really, it's great to hear that. Yes. Yes. It's been, it's been really great. It's very heartening for me when I do the education and the trainings, because the reception is just so wonderful. People are, are energized by it, enthusiastic about it. And, um, so it, it really shows me that the community is, is wanting this type of, of information and wanting to help expand some of these opportunities for people. So it's been really great. All right. That's great news. Great news. So here that we're wrapping up um, 2022 very strong. Um, I know we're looking forward to 2023. I know you are. I know I am. Um, What's on the horizon? What's new that might be happening for us next year? Well, we're really excited. We just um, were given some additional grant funding from the Sutphin Family Foundation. So we're really excited about that. And the goal behind that is just to keep growing and keep expanding, offering more opportunities, more variety of opportunities for people with dementia and their care partners out in the community. So we'll definitely be seeing more of the arts. I think that's such a value add um, to any population, especially those with dementia. Um, and more um, creativity with hopefully some horticulture and more with um, planting and gardening and things like that too. So lots of fun things uh, coming up. All that is all such wonderful news. Um, I really love hearing about it and I really appreciate you being on with us and uh, Shannon, enjoy your holidays, and I look forward to connecting with you again um, in 2023. Thank you, Kristen. You too. Kristen, what a wonderful interview with Shannon. It was really great to review all the wonderful things she did uh, this past year from Dancing to Remember to With Art in Mind, but, but even looking forward to 2023, she's really expanding that art and mind uh, 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 gatherings uh, throughout the city and some other very notable museums. Yeah, it's um, really taken off. And what we hear um, from those who attend these events, Mm -hmm. they really want something to do every month, more than every month. They like um, getting out and having um, a a safe space to engage and um, meet people who are on a similar journey to them. Mm-hmm. It's really been a very successful program. We're, we're excited to partner with some new, new venues this year. Yeah, well, that's wonderful that we can uh, have some programming outside of our communities and have an impact uh, you know, throughout the Cincinnati area. So that's, that's wonderful to hear. Absolutely. Well, I guess next up is uh, Molly Pruce. Um, who sat down recently with Brian. So I'm here uh, with uh, founder and CEO of VistaLink, Molly Cruz. How are you, Molly? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, just for a little background for our listeners, uh, Molly recently uh, uh, did a presentation at our Marjorie P. Lee uh, community and has an excellent program called Connections Changing Perspectives, which is a a, a program for caregivers and their care partners as well. 
Um, and I wanted to, to interview Molly just to maybe share a little bit of her program and 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 this this perspective that I think I, I was telling talking with Molly uh, earlier. And you know, it, it, it's can be challenging to be a caregiver, and uh, you know, sometimes roles are reversed between parents and children. But but I think the program that you're offering, Molly, really helps provide some 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 good perspective on on the challenges and and the beauty of caregiving. Yes. Thank you. I, I agree. So can you walk us through a little bit of your the, the program? I know there's there's kind of five buckets or areas that you really bring up in, in, in your discussions with 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 caregivers. Yeah. So the program itself has a very intentional design. Um, I was a caregiver for about 12 years of my, the last 12 years of my mom's life, pretty, uh, you know, heavily involved in her, um, in her aging and, and eventual death process. But it, it really made me realize how um, lopsided sometimes caregiving can seem when you're so immersed in putting out the fires or, or maintaining, you know, the status quo and trying to keep someone, um, you know, healthy and well and, and, and living, you know, vi vi with vitality, um, how, how unbalanced it can become for a caregiver sometimes, and really mm -hmm. for the care recipient too. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times decisions seem to be made for someone rather than with someone. And so, you know, the program itself, um, we set out, I, I partnered with a, a company and we set out to sort of do a documentary on caregiving and, you know, mm -hmm. what does caregiving look like um, out in the world. And, you know, I know my own experience, we all have had some experience, I'm sure in some regards, but what does it look like? And what are the common threads that kind of keep people from going under, you know, water completely in the caregiving scenario? What were some of the skills they used to help them sort of, you know, work through the process and, right. and sort of maintain a balance between, you know, caring for someone and allowing that, that person to have, you know, an, uh, a say in, in what was going on. And so through that interview process, the skills emerge. So we have five buckets, which we call skills. Mm -hmm. And those five skills actually came up through the conversations that we had in with the different caregivers and their care partners. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the idea is to, to sort of um, maintain our own health and well-being while we're caring, mm -hmm. but also to really look at our, our journey as one that's very human. I love, there's a, a quote um, that someone said that to age is to live and to care is to be human. Mm -hmm. Like We are all part of that human journey of life and we aren't meant to be an island right. alone and without any help from anybody. Right. But on the flip side of that, we don't want you know, the, the, the tide to turn where we are so dependent. I think what, you know, as a um, sort of as a uh, psyche in our country is this fierce independence, right? We have, right. it runs deep. We have a, um, a whole holiday that celebrates independence mm -hmm. and we don't want to be the opposite, which is dependent, right? right? But really where we, where we found most people uh, operated was in this interdependent space. Right. Mm -hmm. Where you're sort of giving and receiving as caregivers, we also receive the love and and gratitude of the, the ones we care for. Sometimes not, all, you know, not always 
it's not always, always easily shown, but you know, it is part of our human journey. Right. So that well, kind of gives yeah, you an idea. Yeah. And one of the things you talk about in that journey in, in, in your, in your presentation is the vulnerability. You know, there, there's not only a vulnerability of the person receiving care, but the caregiver has vulnerability. They have insecurities and things that they're working through as well. But in through that introspection, what I, I heard, I'm hearing you say is that there can be really some joy and, and great, um, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know, pleasure is the right word, but, but, but learnings out of that, that, that can really bring you closer to the person that you're, you're with. Yeah, you know, as uh, again, it's part of our human journey. And I think through that, we have a sort of a, what I like to consider sort of a sustainable growth uh, experience, right? That we're learning how to give and receive. We're learning how to be vulnerable. We're learning how to accept mortality. I mean, there's so much growing in this in this stage of, of life, not only for the, the person being cared for, but for the caregiver themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful. And I, I would be remiss too in saying that the link between ERS and, and VistaLink and yourself has been the, the Giving Voices Foundation, which is doing some wonderful work in the Cincinnati area to support caregivers and those living with Alzheimer's and dementia as well. So we, I thank them for, for bringing us together. And I do too. I do too. Great work. Great work. Yep. So, so you talk about these skills and maybe we can start off with the first skills that, that, that I, you have, uh, that's called choosing intent. And I wonder if you could describe that a little bit for our listeners. Sure. So choosing with intent is really kind of taking a, a second or, you know, some time to really understand why are we in this situation? Why are we caring? What is the root of our uh, relationship with our loved one, you know, and how do we choose that always, right? We can get bogged down by all the to-dos or, or the, the um, stress of a situation. But if we kind of remember that the basis for our, our reason for being there is, is our love for that person, um, you know, choosing with intent is also kind of understanding what power we bring as caregivers. I often say caregivers have, you know, is caregiving is a superpower Mm -hmm. because people are good at it. They're usually the caregiver because they have been designated to be the person who is organized, who's empathetic, you know, and, and really um, predisposed to caring. So it's about also looking at ourselves as caregivers and trusting our instincts Mm -hmm. and, you know, and really embracing and aiming for that wholeness that comes from all of it. So it's really about being intentional in the process and not just being swept by the wave of it all. I love that idea of trusting your instincts because, you know, you said typically a person is a caregiver for a reason. So, so, you know, I think we all tend to second guess ourselves, but the trusting those instincts must be a really important thing. It's really important because I think a lot of times people are, are so fearful to make the wrong choice mm-hmm. that they don't make any choice. And then yeah. we find people in really bad situations, um, but just trusting our instincts that we know our loved one, we know what they are, you know, what, what makes them thrive mm-hmm. and, and then working towards that goal. So the next skill is about embracing change. And for some that's easy for others, not so much. So t- can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, change can be very, um, you know, exciting. But when we're talking about it in the elder care space, a lot of times it's really scary because you're, you know, you have to acknowledge that a loved one is declining and that they need your your help and that they're they're maybe not the same as they were when they were perhaps raising you or when you first got married. So that, you know, and acknowledging that change is happening, I think is really important. And then allowing you to, you know, yourself to experience those feelings. You can't stuff them. You can't just ignore it. Um, but how does it make you feel? And sort of allowing those feelings to come up to the surface so that you can process them. Um, you know, sometimes that involves letting go. Um, you know, understanding how to let go of what you can't do, what you shouldn't do, what isn't working. You know, so and and also eventually maybe letting go of your you know, loved one themselves. Yeah. Cause you can't always control every, um, everything. Right. So you've again, got to deal yeah. with that flow. Yes. Caregivers can often be ones who want, who are problem solvers. And right. so recognizing when that problem isn't going to be solved mm-hmm. and, and sort of channeling your energy in a, in a different way and, and moving with the change rather than against it. Right. right. And then I, I think this is something we think about often, but probably don't do enough of um, is trying needing to take care of ourselves. Right. That, that's... Yes. Yes. And it's beyond meditation, bubble bath, yoga, whatever those, right. you know, sort of an- anecdotal uh, right. taking care of yourself activities are, but it's really noticing when it's missing, right. It's noticing when you need to put self-care into your, into your day. It's, you know, it's also identifying what works for you. I, when my mom was in the hospital and I would spend days in the hospital with her driving home, I would put on my most favorite music, most upbeat music. And for 30 minutes, that was my self-care. It just elevated my vibration and it was simple. You know, it was just hitting play on my, you know, uh, stereo. Yeah. For, For others, it's walking, it's exercising, it's, you know, carving away those activities, which are too much. Um, but it's also being intentional about putting self-care into your schedule. As a caregiver, you are busy and you're often outward focused. Right. This is the skill where you learn to be inward focused. And, you know, a big part of that is asking for support, right? Because mm-hmm. we right. often, again, want to be everything to everybody. Right. And by asking for support, that can be a um, an act of self-care as well as kind of declining what isn't helpful or, or what might be harmful, Right. So it's kind of looking at what's missing and how can you build into your um, days those things that ele- elevate you. Yeah, I like how you talked about kind of changing that vibration, um, but but you know I'm I'm sure there's other basic things just like making sure you're sleeping. Oh yeah, right, those kinds of eating things. well. You know, not overindulging in any kinds of you know. Um, you know, anything that isn't good. And it's just giving yourself even breathing, breathing and, uh, you know, those cortisols, if, right. if you, you know, get to the medical side of it all, or the biological side, mm-hmm. this constant cortisol rush that we get is in situations that are stressful, um, can really wreak havoc on your well own well-being. And, you know, I was seeing often in my work caregivers who were caring, caring, caring at the degree, you know, at, at such a high degree, that they became the person to be cared for when they, when the loved one that they were caring for passed, because so much time had been spent in that elevated, um, you know, sort of fight and flight. uh, Patterns. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in the next skill that, that you talk about, actually kind of, it made a lot of sense, but I think it, it, this is a really interesting area. You talk about developing depth. And I think for anyone that's gone through challenges, it might make a little bit of sense, but I, I found this fascinating. So could you talk about this idea of developing depth from, from this experience? Yeah. So, so really, again, this kind of goes back to, you know, um, looking at our experience and, you know, the why, I suppose, of, of why we're here. And then sort of taking it the next step is, you know, what's the purpose? What's the, um, you know, what, what, what can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. What can I glean from this? What, what about this situation is, is part of my human journey? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what, what sort of intelligent design might be, um, you know, in or, at, at play in this? Um, you know, some people feel very spiritually connected um, to, you know, certain practices and, and certain types of things. Sure. And they understand that sort of this is a part of life. Mm-hmm. But for others, it's, you know, it may not come as naturally. So sort of looking at, you know, what what's my purpose? You know, these are my gifts. I'm giving them, I'm giving my time, my energy, my love to others. Mm-hmm. You know, what's it all about in, in sort of that esoteric kind of way? Mm-hmm. And this helps you to sort of navigate the emotional terrain Mm-hmm. It can be very just dis- sometimes disruptive or, or difficult to, to navigate. And it kind of right. helps to put you a little bit more on a, on a smoother or more, um, you know, uh, sort of ha- have a deeper understanding of the process. Yeah. And it, again, it helps us to, um, to really look at the why and the purpose from a standpoint of empowerment. Mm-hmm. And the depth of our relationship and the depth of our human journey and the depth of maybe our, even our own spirituality as a, you know, as a, as a um, person in the world. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, there's no greater gift than having been given a sense of purpose. And I think if you embrace that, it it can be really enriching and, and uh, such a growth opportunity for, for, for. It can, and this is. This is the really wonderful part of the program is that it really has caregivers work through a series of questions that help them to divert, to arrive at, you know, these, uh, and to work on these different skills mm-hmm. in their own lives. And, yeah, and, you know, everybody's situation is different. Yeah. And, and just to, to maybe, cause we didn't do this at the beginning, but to describe your program, you talked about it as a documentary. So you have a lot of great video footage and interview footage, but but the program also comes with a workbook with with some self-assessment and questions really to get people thinking about these things, correct? Right, right. So the video is is documentary, they call it documentary style learning. So you really, you're learning from peers mm-hmm. who aren't in the same room with you, but they're peers because they're caregivers out in the world and they're caring for people in a way very you know similar as all caregivers do. And so that documentary style is meant to really help people envision, oh, okay, I, I see what taking care of ourselves is. I can see that through the lens of, of that interview or that discussion, but then the workbook is where the um, the rubber meets the road, as I say, for individuals to take on the program in their own life. Because again, our situations are all unique, and um, this is a, a chance for introspection and sort of coming to uh, 
sort of an, an action plan around your own caregiving or a person's own caregiving through the workbook exercises. And the assessment is pretty cool because you, at the beginning of the program, you take an assessment and the questions are intentionally designed to help people think about the skills before they start doing the program. So the questions are all sort of centered around the skills. Um, and you can kind of see as you go through and you rate yourself on a scale of one to five, the areas where, you know, one and two being the lowest and four and five being the highest, if you start to see yourselves in certain areas in one and two, you know, oh, that's where I might need to start my focus, you know, right. and then if you're in the fours and fives and other categories. So it's kind of, um, it really helps it uh, to really personalize the journey mm -hmm. um, for each person who participates in the program. That's wonderful. And then this last skill, you talk about acting as partners. So this, this feels like it's tying it all together because certainly, you know, while you as a caregiver may be trying to make decisions and doing things, this really is, it's, it should be a partnership, not, you know, just that parent kind of child type relationship where you're trying to dictate everything. It, it, I think it goes much smoother when you act as partners, right? Absolutely. And, and it's, it's sometimes hard to remember that when you're dealing with somebody who's diminished capacity or starting to become weaker and it's our natural instinct to want to take care of and to do, you know, do for others and to, and just to make decisions. But in essence, we all need that collaborative partnership spirit, right? We all need, again, this is our humanness. We need to have a sense of contribution to ourselves, to our families and to our communities throughout right. our entire lifespan. And so in any ways that caregivers can practice that partnership and that collaboration, it just makes it easier all the way around. And um, it's it's really a, a piece that that interdependence that I talked about earlier is, you know, understanding that we are all partners in life together. We're we're meant to be together. You know, as as humans, we're we're meant to be in community with one another, right? And, and to be collaborative and and problem solve together. So that's really where that skill kind of brings it, you know, back to that that central focus. Well, yeah, I think we're we're better together. As, as we are know, better together, we that. really so, are. So it's it, whether it's we're caregivers for our children, while you know we never expect to to care for our parents. It it certainly happens more often than than not. So it's that partnership, and and a what could be a very complex dynamic is is very important. It is. And it's, it's also, you know, it's also uh, in caregiving, acting as partners might be your siblings if you're caring for a parent, right? you know, bringing the extended family in and, and, and really the healthcare system and the healthcare yep. workers, it's all about, we're in yep. this together. Yep. How can we all support each other as we go through this process of, of helping our older population? Yeah. It's interesting. You say that um, last month in interviewing our our own president and CEO, we have this discussion on a topic we call positive aging. And part of that is really having a dialogue between parents and children and siblings so that everybody kind of understands where they're coming from. And, and while it may not be so, something that you can get a decision right away, you can work through it and talk through it. And that dialogue is so important. It is. And I think, again, people, we don't have a 
you know, a roadmap necessarily in this phase and in this journey often. Right. And families are also different and have different dynamics. And mm. it's really everybody coming together, yep. you know, sort of unarmed and unshielded and just right. letting it, you know, and having the honest conversations around that and, and, you know, allowing parents to say, this is what I want, allowing children to say, well, this is what we want for you. And Right. kind of finding that middle ground. Right. It's yeah. a process, right? It's not something yeah. that can happen overnight necessarily. It's something that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. We we talked about the whole concept of the I, I don't know if you've read the book Being Mortal about by Guande, but that that what does the what are the parents' wishes, you know, towards right. the end of their life? You know, right. do they want, you know, that self-fulfillment, uh, you know, as part of of how they're living out their lives. And that's important to take absolutely absolutely so yeah it's partnering is is we're going to see that you know really come to the forefront as we sort of head into the next you know 25 30 years right um you know of of this huge aging population that you know we're seeing and and all hands on deck right right the, the age wave as they call it the age wave yes yes exactly well, Molly, thank you so much for joining us and talking about your wonderful program. Again, it's Connections, Changing Perspective. And, and if anybody uh, is interested in your program, is there a way they can contact you? Yeah, so um, they can email me at molly, M-O-L-L-Y, at Vistalink. And that's V is in Victor, I-S-T-A-L-Y-N-K.com. Or they can go to vistalink.com and check out uh, the program. And we have uh, a companion program as well. Wonderful. Well, thanks again. And uh, we look forward to uh, getting together again real soon. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It was great. Well, Brian, it was so good to hear again from Molly and your conversation about you know how we can um, be supportive and supported um, as a care partner of someone living with Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah, I uh, was very impressed with Molly from the first time I talked with her. She's got this great um, changing perspectives program that she's uh, put together. And I think, you know, knowing that she really wants to help our communities and caregivers and uh, their care partners, I, I just really uh, enjoyed seeing her workshop earlier this fall. And uh can't wait to partner with her uh, on more programs moving forward as, as you know, she's been working with the Giving Voice Foundation and, and uh, who was, you know, generous enough to make this program available uh, to our uh, community members at the Marjorie P. Lee uh, Retirement com uh, Community earlier this year. So thank you, Molly, and uh, we look forward to connecting in the near future. Absolutely. Well, that is great. Well, we've been doing um, a lot, some looking forward and looking back. And I know that's also um, on your list um, to talk with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, um, to give us her perspective and vision for 2020. So we're back uh, again this month with president and CEO, Laura Lamb. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm well, Brian. How about you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So uh, with the new year, I think uh, it's always a time of reflection and looking forward. And I was hoping to spend a little time talking about 2022 and the 
2023 years year ahead. So, oh, I'd love to do that. And I I wanted to let you know that um, I noticed that when we signed on that this is our 50th episode. Mm -hmm. yes. So before we get into that, I just wanted to congratulate you and Kristen and the whole team for all your hard work of putting this together. I you know. I know it was something that was um, on your heart and mind for, frankly, a little bit longer than we've been doing it, but it just shows um, your innovation and your your spirit of let's communicate broadly. And, you know, you're a, quite a trendsetter because lots and lots of organizations have um, jumped on the podcast ban bandwagon after you you started it. So congratulations, Brian. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. it it's been, uh, I think, a, a labor of love. And mm -hmm. I remember we started this coming out of the pandemic to want to make sure that we were staying in touch with our residents and yes. getting their perspective. So it, it's really been a lot of fun. And I, I want to thank you for being here each and every episode as well. To, to Yeah. So thank you. Well, I've enjoyed it. So here's to, let's toast. Here's to 50. <laughs> awesome. 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 So uh, 2022 uh, was, was uh, a, 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 another interesting year. It was a good year. It <laughs> certainly had its challenges as well. And I, I wondered if you could talk about some of the some of the highlights mm -hmm. um, from your perspective on 2022. Right. If I if I had to, like, put a title on my, you know, my book for 2022, it would be challenging but successful. So right. that would kind of be the headline. And, um, you know, frankly, a lot of good things in life can be challenging, right? So it's, right. it wasn't a bad year. Um, yep. Collectively, it was just challenging. Right. I love how you said it. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we did, um, you know, meet a few challenges, but the team, as usual with ERS, just really rallies and mm -hmm. um, takes lemons and makes lemonade. And, Kind of the highlight that I, I would put out there as um, some of our challenging um, yet successes are, you know, actually four come to mind. The progress at Episcopal Church Home, um, you know, the COVID kind of living to learn or learning to live with COVID. Yeah. You know, the work that we did, um, all of us with We Can Do Better mm -hmm. are that initiative. And then really focusing on a kind of the balancing act between retention and recruitment of our, of our uh, staff. So, yeah, I think those would be, be the headlines and obviously don't know what level of detail you want me to talk about with our listeners, but those would be the headlines for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, going back to, to ECH, I mean, it, it's really coming along. I mean, the, oh my the, gosh, Brian, yeah, looking like a neighborhood now mm -hmm. And in uh, our new Linden House personal care, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, especially with that. Yeah, open. I'd love to. So it, it is exciting. It's one of the joys in my job is to be on a team that can imagine things and then mm -hmm. fast forward several years and stand in that imagined space that's now real. It's kind of right. fun. Yeah. Um, I geek out with that kind of stuff. So the Linden House is our new personal care household at Episcopal Church Home. Mm -hmm. And it is quickly becoming home for 22 mm -hmm. elders that need personal care level service. So 
personal care is kind of analogous in um, this other areas like Cincinnati to assisted living, if you will. So it's not independent. It's not skilled nursing. It's that in-between kind of level of care. And like I said, it's 22. Mm -hmm. It's just stunning, Brian. It's just absolutely, the team did such a good job of making it warm and welcoming and functional, you know, um, handicap accessible bathrooms, tilt mirrors, uh, drop down bars that are there, hidden when you don't need them, but there when you need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, large, spacious bedrooms, a combination of one bedrooms and studios to reach all kinds of resident needs, a little small kitchen area so that you know, you can uh, make yourself a cup of tea and a little snack if you want in the afternoon or just have a slow start one morning. So it's just beautiful. And then the public, uh, they're they're the shared space, if you will, the household space of a large open kitchen, um, an activity slash um, dining center, and then a real comfortable, uh, cozy fireplace living room. it's a lot. It's so pretty. I wish I wish this were a video. Pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that want to look, they can go on our website at EpiscopalChurchHome.org. And uh, we, we've got on our personal care page, we've got some new photos and we'll be putting some videos up here soon as well. So, yes, I yes. It, I encourage people to look. It's so inviting. And for me, it's a matter of perspective of You know, by no fault of anyone's uh, personal care before the master plan were essentially skilled nursing rooms that we called personal care. So to have, what did we call it um, early on? You know, we wanted to build and and give state-of-the-art apartment-style living um, to our residents. And we've done that. So that's super exciting. Yeah, and and all with a beautiful view outside. Yes, the yes. Areas outside and the back yeah. are just are just going to be wonderful spaces for our residents. And to to your point, just about how Dudley mm-hmm. has come along, you know. So for the listeners, imagine sitting on the back patio or your back porch, and you have a lovely garden view and right. abutting our new Dudley Three patio home. So it feels and looks, and it is like you're living in a beautiful neighborhood. Yeah. 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 So, so it's exciting. Nice. Such great yeah. things along the way. And I think all of the structures up in, in that Dudley three area with the, where the new patio homes are. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a neighborhood. It's, it is. It is. It's really exciting. So some of the other uh, things yeah. I, I just thought I'd uh, see, uh, see if we could touch on as well. You talked about the progress on our We Can Do Better. And I know that's something that, you know, has been front and center as we've met with staff and and also some some progress on some great initiatives. And I wonder if you could maybe talk about a few highlights from those as well. From, yeah, from- so um, We Can Do Better, as, as you mentioned, and we've talked about um, on the podcast, is that it's something that really you know, frankly, was very close to my heart after um, some issues that happened with the murder of George George Floyd and other um, issues that happened during actually the pandemic that we 
had to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, are we doing enough? And, you know, I don't think you can do enough, frankly. So we decided that we needed to just name that (laughs) we can do better, (laughs) which I think applies so um, personally to me and it applies to organizations and communities. And we had um, challenging times, you know, it's really hard when you're learning to live with COVID to make sure that you don't prioritize um, everything above progress on our We Can Do Better. So it's really an initiative that we've started with staff to make sure that all of us have a voice and that we can create a safe place to learn and grow together. And I'm really proud of our organization because we have kept it in the forefront. We launched um, several affinity groups um, in 2020 and because of the world that we're still in living with COVID, um, we haven't been able to do a lot of in-person this last year, but um, frankly, that didn't stop us, did it? We really made sure that all of our affinity groups were alive and present and had content um, every quarter within our staff meetings. And that's exciting. We also issued our second, um, we can do better scorecard that shows that we're not just talking about improvement. We're actually quantifying it. So we made some improvement in the number of places that we're recruiting staff. Uh, we made some in- improvement in the diversity of our leadership team. Uh, we made uh, some improvement in um, the diversity of our board. And so those are really important metrics that that are important. And as I'm often quoted as saying, is that you're never going to manage anything you don't measure. So it's really important for ERS and I think other organizations to take pen to paper and you know, document where you're at on such an important initiative and set some goals so that you can hold yourself accountable to doing things differently. And as we always say, um, getting better, doing better. Yeah. And I know near and dear to your heart, the the launch of the Lauren Brown Empowerment Fund to help yes. our staff yeah. um, who want to seek uh, improvement in their life and maybe some more education and help them, I think was a really big, um, a really big thing to celebrate as well. It was, we were able to, um, give our first empowerment fund gift. And actually Brian, we're already in discernment for, um, the second gift. Um, so that's exciting that that is, you know, because, you know, it's one thing to, to say, you know, we're going to talk about, we're going to learn, we're going to educate, but, you know, you know, at the servant team, level, we servant leadership team, we talk about, okay, so what, what, what is different about this? What are we changing? And Lauren Brown empowerment fund is um, something that I point to that, that shows not just, you know, the, how many, what percent of this and what percent of that, but really actionable trying to change people's lives. And that is fun to be a part of for sure. Yeah. So and, and so, uh, wonderful progress, and and I think you had alluded both both during our progress of ECH and progress with our we can do better that you know we're we, we've we've been coming out of these challenges with with COVID and you know learning learning to live with it. And I wondered if you could talk about maybe what was 
what's different? I mean, it, it, it feels a lot different from this time last year to now and how our organization is, is moving forward. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it is different. And I, I feel like it's one of those things in my life where um, I wake up and I take two steps forward only to take a step back and right. back and forth. And, and that that's what we mean by living with it. So we, we really just need to pause and understand where we are within our surrounding communities, understand where we are within our communities, and even drilling down to say, where are we within a per particular household? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the guidelines have evolved um, over the last three years. We still have restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to somebody else that works in healthcare, and we were joking that our friend groups um, have moved on. And we're like, well, you know, you can't really move on serving um, elders when there's still um, guidelines and regulations. So we have to strike a balance. That's the word that I've really been uh, working on with the teams um, when we talk about living with COVID. It's that we still need to protect people because the disease hasn't changed. You know, we're, we're going through a little period of spike right now. Mm -hmm. in some of our communities with the number of cases. And oh, by the way, the, the disease COVID disproportionately impacts older adults in, in higher numbers and more severity. Right. So we still have to protect, but at the same time, we do need to learn how to live. And the greatest analogy is just with anything with a vaccine, you know, you didn't, we didn't, we've never eradicated the flu. Right. We, we know that we have to have annual flu shots to um, kind of keep that at bay. So that's the kind of um, work that we're doing is to say, to say, let's really, let's really drill down and say, you know, if we've not had any cases in a particular area and the occurrence rate in the broader community is lower, mm -hmm. then that affords us more flexibility in our services. Right. And instead of back in 2019, 20 or 20, see, I can't even remember, 20, right. 21, 22, uh -huh. where it was more across the board. Right. This has allowed us to be a little bit more focused and I just got the nicest compliment from a letter that we sent out just yesterday about um, our guidelines and how they were received by this person as being balanced right? and, uh, you know, creating a real atmosphere where we have to protect, but also live together. So, right. well, and I like how you, you talk about that, it, you know, before you, you mentioned this, this blanket kind of policy, mm -hmm. and now it's almost this hyper local person yeah. centered type. Yeah, for sure. Policy. And so I for sure take the hats off to you and the, the risk management team that really meets regularly and talks about these things and tries yeah. to find solutions. It's, it's, it can't be easy work, but it's, it's to your point, I think it's very appreciated by residents and families. Well, I, I think so. And I just, I agree with you that the risk management team, you know, I've said it more than once that right. nobody wants to be where we're at, but to have a team of professionals that have really uh, been together since March 16th, we're getting ready for that anniversary, right. March 16th, um, that we've been together kind of lockstep. Um, and I hope no one 
has felt alone um, because it's a lot. It's a lot to have that responsibility to make sure that we're protecting the people that we love, love so much. So, and then the, the last thing that, that you highlighted was this focus on, on recruitment and retention. I mean, I think everybody heard the highlights or the, the news reports this year of quiet quitting and people leaving organizations and challenges in healthcare. And this was really a strategic focus that, that, that you and the SLT and the organization started talking about more than a year ago. And I wondered mm. if you could talk about, about that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's no surprise to anybody that's listening that this has been a challenge. You know, there's been so many people left um, their jobs during uh, COVID and not as many have returned. We are, we are seeing some positive signs of people returning, mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe, um, maybe they're bored. Maybe, the, maybe right. the bills have come in. I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm just happy to welcome um, more candidates into the pool, but you know, it is a balance again. And I I'm overusing that word. I need to come up with another word, but it's not only about recruiting new team members. It's about making sure that the team members that like you, Brian, that have been here through the really difficult last three years understand that we value and appreciate everything that we're doing, that we, mm -hmm. we could, we would not be here without the, the hard work for, from our dedicated staff. So right. our approach has been um, making sure that we're not losing track of one or the other, that it's all about retaining the good high quality team that we have that love and care for our elders, mm -hmm. but then making sure that we're recruiting in such a way that it's additive because I'll, I'll tell you, it's really easy for all of us to fall into, you know, we need people and that's a recipe for six or for failure for an organization like ours, where I know that we are only as good as the, the staff and the team members that are caring for our residents every day. So we, it's hard. It's because we need, um, people to provide service. It's hard not to fall into that, but I just, I just want to, um, thank the HR team and the, mm -hmm. the managers for understanding that it's not an or, it's an and. Yeah. We have to retain right. and we have to add the right staff um, uh, or our culture will suffer. And if our culture suffers, our care will suffer. Right, right. So. Well, I, yeah, I think you're right. The, the HR teams worked really hard and mm -hmm. done a lot of hiring. Yes, they have. Here and, and been very um, very proactive and, but, uh, you know, there's also that, that loving on the resident or on our current staff and yeah. making them feel good, but providing them opportunity and training to reinforce that, that culture. Right. Right? It's Well, in our, in our leadership team, Brian, you know, when you have open positions, the work doesn't go away. And yeah. our leadership team, you know, has been at the bedside, has been in the dining room, has been doing different things that, you know, frankly are yeah. not, you know, what we want our managers doing every day, you know, kind right. of thing, because they right. have jobs. And right. I just think that, you know, it was a challenging year, but like I said, it was very successful because we have people that are deeply committed to the work that we doing, we do in our ministry. So, yeah. So looking ahead to 2023, um, I, you know, I, one of the things I have appreciated and valued so much in this organization and 
and is just the strategic planning and the scanning of the industry and the, the, the environment and our communities. And I know that that you and, and others uh, as part of a strategy team do this update every several years. And, and I wanted to see if you could share a little bit of how that strategy has has changed this year, especially with the yeah. look out to 2030 as, as we, we did that exercise in our vision this coming year. Yeah, so we update our strategy each and every year, mm -hmm. but every so many years, and I think that's what you're referring to, every so many years, we yeah. kind of take a like a deeper dive. So um, we actually had last year a 2025 vision. And then when you flip the calendar and say 23, it's like, well, that's not really a vision. That's within sight, right? 2025. Right. So last year, last summer, we partnered with our board committee, um, strategy committee to say, what does 2030 look like? What let's get further out in that horizon. So we, we, we do that every so often. Last year was the year we did it. We created a vision, a new vision statement that is pretty different than the last one um, and pretty amazing mm -hmm. thanks to our strong um, committee and our amazing servant leadership team. Mm -hmm. And then we also drilled down and said, okay, to realize that vision, we need a three-year objective statement. So I'd love to share those. Um, yeah. So um, 2030, 2030 vision. So this, think about this, I always frame it. So this is what it would say in the paper. This is the headline right. that we would visualize. This is what we want others to say about us mm -hmm. um, in the year 2030. So here it is. Mm -hmm. As a recognized include and, and ugh, let me start over. That's okay. See, I did what we did earlier. <laughs> As a recognized, inclusive and innovative leaders, ERS is the premier choice and trusted resource for older adults along the full continuum, mm -hmm. full economic continuum. Right. That's exciting. It is. It is. I just want to like underscore a couple really important points. So, um, you know, we desire and we just talked about it, you know, our previous statement talked about innovation, but we felt it was really important to add inclusive, right. that that is something that we've been working really hard. And we wanted, you know, to others to recognize that in by 2020, by 2030, we hope right. Right. Um, being the preferred choice, being a trusted resource mm -hmm. um, are, you know, changes on word choices in the but it really does tell you two things. I think by being preferred choice that we have to always make sure that we are offering high quality right. and a trusted resource is, you know, as you're dealing with aging issues, we want folks to know that they can come to us for advice and counsel. Yep. And then lastly, the full economic continuum is really important because we've talked about this with our listeners that a lot of organizations such as ERS serve the wealthy and CCRCs right. serve uh, low income folks and affordable living. Mm -hmm. And we believe there's a whole group of people in that middle market. So right. we intentionally added full economic continuum so that folks know that we're more than the ends. We want to focus on the middle as well. Right. 
Well, I, yeah, it is exciting. It's certainly ambitious to want to be inclusive, especially in light of our discussion of we can do mm -hmm. better. Um, you know, maintaining that quality, providing information and resources, but but not just being inclusive of race or gender or or sexual preference or or, or items like that, but the economic continuum. As well. Absolutely, it it just comes full circle, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So then talk about the objective, How that's how we get there, right? Yeah, so how are we gonna get there? Well, we're gonna get there by, we wanna reach more older adults by growing our middle market mm -hmm. and outreach ministries, mm -hmm. enhancing our residential communities and services, mm -hmm. and fostering our work culture as an uh, preferred employer. Right. So there's really just, three elements in that statement. One right. is where are we growing? Yep. Um, we're going to grow in middle market and outreach. Mm -hmm. We're not going to grow um, more than organically <laughs> right. um, in affordable living um, and our CCRCs. We believe the three CCRCs in our portfolio of affordable living is great. Mm -hmm. Where we want to grow is middle market and outreach. Yep. The second component is we have to do that while enhancing the communities that we have. So we can't lose sight on um, making sure that we provide high quality right. communities and services at Marjorie Lee, Dupree, Affordable Living, um, Meals on Wheels, you name all of our ministries. So that's important. And then lastly, we can't do the, the previous two without making sure that we don't lose sight of um, the great work culture that we have with our staff, because we believe that it's the work culture that we've created over the last several decades that allow us to be a preferred employer. And we know um, in the heart of our heart that if we can create a good place to work, we can create a good place to live. A great place to work equals right. a great place to live. Right, which goes back to the, you know, uh, being attractive to to uh, recruitment and then yes. also recruiting yeah. our staff as we talked about. Does does so 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 then there's the specific strategies to support that vision and objectives and i wonder if yes. you can talk at a high level sure. about that work uh that 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 will happen in 2023 here of course of course so there are five planks or five strategies that we talk about mm -hmm. the first one is our ccrc strong so hashtag ccrc strong so that's all the work that we do to make sure that we're protecting our retirement communities, Marjorie Lee, Dupree House, and Episcopal Church Home. Mm -hmm. The second strategy we call engaged workforce, hashtag engaged workforce. And that's where we do um, the work to be inclusive and engaged so that we can continue to be an employer of choice. Mm -hmm. The third strategy is hashtag the real middle. Um, right. So that's um, really setting the standard for middle market models, mm -hmm. not only creating models um, that others might want to replicate, but also growing our own uh, uh, middle market communities over time. Right. Number four is hashtag trusted advisor. And this is where we're going to spend some time expanding our ministries outside of our walls. And we do that 
um, to a great degree with the work that we do on our ministry team, whether that be Meals on Wheels or Pete's Eats. But we have some um, fun new things um, in store for uh, next year because we don't really want to limit ourselves to um, helping older adults or elders within our buildings. We know that we have can have an impact beyond our walls. Right. And then lastly, um, we always say every great strategy has a capabilities strategy in it. And that is number five. It's called um, Bright Future. Okay. And that's really where we look at our internal capabilities and effectiveness mm -hmm. so that we um, are improving our processes, people, and systems so that we can continue to grow and be a strong organization. Right. Well, that's a pretty comprehensive list of things to do but i in my opinion and, and i know i've heard you say this it, you know the, the strategic work is so important to keep the the organization moving forward you know on top of the operational you know work that we do to care for our residents and keep the organization but this is what really helps drive the organization and kind of meeting the needs of the staff and the residents in the future correct I, I couldn't agree more. I, it just, um, you know, it can't be an or. Um, yeah. You have to pay attention to operations and have, um, you know, a well-run organization day-to-day. -day, but, mm -hmm. you know, if you just are focused on the day-to-day, -day, you won't be ready for the future. So right. an organization like ERS that, we, you know, we we really are intentional about looking out um, an extended horizon to make sure that we are positioning ERS to be, you know, um, here long into the future. Well, like you said, bright future. And uh, Laura, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, taking up a little bit more of your time than maybe we, we typically do during our episodes, but I think it was a great way to celebrate our 50th. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. We've got a, a lot of good things ahead, so it'll be a good um, 2023 to share with our listeners. Great. Well, we'll catch up next month. Thanks so much. Well, Brian, that is um, a new word that I'm going to put into my lexicon, the vast and ever-growing middle. Um, I'm glad to hear that uh, ERS is putting that into um, formally into the vision um, mm -hmm. to serve those older adults as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as we sat down with our strategy committee and, and, you know, Laura talked about this, um, you know, quite, quite, uh, quite deeply, you know, I, I think ERS is really striving to be a more inclusive organization. Um, again, whether it's be underrepresented groups throughout our communities or, or from an economic standpoint. And I'm, I'm very proud of that and very proud of the approach that um, this organization from the top to bottom is, is really taking to make uh, to make our communities a better place. It's very exciting. Yeah. Well, that's it for the, this latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at EpiscopalRetirement.com. We have lots of great content, including our Linkage online blog, resources to learn more about aging and the services we offer. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or even YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Our technical director is Caroline Perrier. 
I'd like to thank our guests today, uh, Molly Pruce and Shannon Braun. And of course, a special thank you for Laura Lamb for always joining us uh, each and every month to provide updates. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to our podcast next month. Thanks so much, Kristen, and congratulations on 50. Yep, this has been a great number 50. Looking forward to the next one. Thank you.